Let's turn to Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. For man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. In this chapter, Paul is speaking of our response to God's wonderful salvation. He's In chapters 1 through to 11, he's spoken about the gospel. He's spoken about what Jesus has done. He's spoken about the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. He's spoken about how that's good news for everyone because everyone needs to hear that message. And so as he's spelt the whole thing out, he then comes to chapter 12 and says, now what's our response going to be? And he says, our response has got to be total. I urge you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, handing ourselves over totally to God, total commitment to him, holding nothing back. And then he goes on to show that if we do that, we find ourselves in company with others who have similarly responded to God. We come into the church, which is his body, and we're members together of that body with different gifts, different contributions to to bring. And in uh, uh, verses four, on, 4 through to 8, he's looking at that whole thing about being the body together, having different contributions to bring into the life of the church. And t- he's saying, t- together, collectively, we're showing one another what Jesus is like, and hopefully also showing people outside what Jesus is like. These are different characteristics of Jesus shared out amongst different people, so that together we're the body of Christ. And of course, Jesus came to show us what God is like. So all of these gifts tell us something about God. And they're also things that we've seen will be generally amongst us as well as specific gifts for specific people. And this week, we come to the last one in Paul's list. If your gift is showing mercy, do it cheerfully, he says. Now, as we've seen, all of these gifts tell us something about God, and of course this one does. God's 
mercy. Chapter, chapter 12 begins in verse 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, chapters 1 to 11 are all about the mercy of God and how God has shown mercy. Verse 32 of chapter 11 says, God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. This is a a concept that is there right through the Old Testament, God's mercy. The New Testament speaks about it. And it's important we get hold of that to understand what God's mercy means and how indebted we are to it so that we then see how does that affect our lives? What does it mean to show mercy? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 is another place where Paul speaks about God's mercy. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul is speaking about just what it means to not know God and what it means to be a sinner. He says in chapter 2, of Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He says, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. That's where everyone was. That's where we all were. He's speaking to Christians. He says, remember where you were. That's what you were like once. You could no more turn to God than you could fly. You didn't want to turn to God. You were just following your own instincts, your own thoughts, your own desires. That's where we were, and we deserved the wrath of God. But we were by nature objects of wrath. And then, verse 4, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. God, who is rich in mercy. Peter speaks about it also in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, uh, and verse 10. He says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And also one other reference, Paul writing to Titus in Titus chapter 3. Titus 3 verses 4 and 5. He says, but when the kind, he says, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. God's mercy is what all these writers are talking about. In other words, they've got a, a real sense of us All of us, whatever our background, some people are very obviously in a lot of need. Some people can seem quite respectable. But he says, whatever our background, God didn't owe us anything. And the fact that God ever took any notice of us, and more than that, loved us, is sheer mercy. 
There's a verse that I remembered from years back, and I looked it up, but it's, it's somewhat different in this Bible, and even more different in the ESV, which I know some people use. The verse that I remembered from the King James Version was something like, it's, it's, it's because of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. He's saying, we, we all deserve to be just wiped out. But because of God's mercy, he hasn't done it. I was surprised when I looked it up in the ESV to see some rather familiar words. This is how the ESV handles that verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Someone ought to think of putting that to music, perhaps. His mercies never come to an end. That's God. His His wonderful, wonderful mercy. God's mercy is his sheer goodness to those who have nothing, deserve nothing, and can contribute nothing. We've got no claim on God. All we deserve from God is his punishment. And God has had mercy. You see it in the Old Testament. Remember how the story of God's people begins in the Old Testament. You've got the Hebrews, the children of Israel. They've gone into Egypt. They become a slave nation there. They're, they're in cruel slavery. They're, they, they're just being used on building projects. If they die, they die. No one cares. And they're suffering. Every day is miserable. And God had mercy on them. God heard their cry and God said, I'm going to bring you out. And he brings them out of slavery to bring them to a wonderful land of prosperity. It's described as a land flowing with milk and honey. God's mercy, that was, that was there right in the history of the people. They, they were trapped. They couldn't break free. And God, for reasons that can't be explained said, I'm going to set you free. That's the mercy of God. Coming to people who are trapped. Some people are very obviously trapped. Trapped in a lifestyle that they can't break out of. Trapped with addictions or whatever. Some people are very obviously trapped. Some people are trapped in respectability. Some people are trapped in affluence. And they think, I don't need anything. I don't realize how much they need God. Whichever, whatever our condition We, all of us have sinned, and we, all of us deserve the punishment of God. And God is rich in mercy. His mercies never come to an end. That's the Bible theme. And so God brings his people out of Egypt. He has mercy on them, and then he continues to have mercy on them. Sometimes when we talk about God's law, for example, we can think, oh, it's all very strict, God forbidding them to do things. Actually, if you read it, you'll see how wonderfully merciful it is. As I'm currently reading through Deuteronomy, that's why I say that, and just struck again and again by the sheer goodness of God. In Deuteronomy 24, for example, verse 19, just listen to this. God commands them, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you 
beat the olives from your trees, don't go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Then it says, when you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, don't go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That's why I command you to do this. He's saying, remember where you were? You had nothing. I had mercy on you. Now, you, you know, you're harvesting and you just forget something. Leave it there so that the needy can have it. What wonderful mercy. They're taught to have care for other people because they've received the mercy of God. So Paul, when he's expounding the gospel in, in Romans, he keeps coming back to this theme. How sheer, the sheer goodness of God, the mercy of God, where God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Romans 9 and verse 15. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. God's incomprehensible love is why there's a church. It's why we're saved. It's why we have a future. It is sheer mercy. If we come to God arrogantly, if we come to God proud, we'll never appreciate the mercy of God. But then again, we'll never repent. But it's when we see our need. And you think, why did God ever notice me? Do you ever, do you ever think that about yourself? When I think back to when I, I, I became a Christian when I was about 10. I think, why did God ever notice me? Living where I lived in the east end of London, a crowded area. Why did he pick on me? Why did he love me? Why did he then save me? Why did he do, why has he done so much good in my life? Why has he blessed me again and again? I don't understand it. It's mercy. That's why songwriters, hymn writers, sing about, write about, the mercy of God, tis mercy all, immense and free. Oh, my God, it found out me. Mercy. Does it impress you? Does it get to you? Does it make you weep sometimes? Oh, God, your sheer mercy. When we think, since we came to know God, maybe our track record is not that impressive. We know how often we've failed, how often we've promised things and we've not lived up to it. We've, 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 we've gone our own way or whatever and God's drawn us back and you think, what mercy. Could have just let me go. Could have left me to my choices, but he didn't. Oh God, the mercy of God. His mercies never come to an end. Now, Paul rounds off his list of gifts here and says, if it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. I wonder if he deliberately saved this one to the end. Because he spent 11 chapters talking about the mercy of God. And he wants to make it clear. These, these are all characteristics of God. And hey, what a wonderful characteristic to have as a gift from God. Because this really shows what God is like. God is rich in mercy. There's the floodgates of his mercy. It is mercy all, immense and free. Hey, what about having that as a gift? Showing mercy. 
Well, as we've seen with these other gifts, these should be general characteristics as well. And certainly this one should be Israel coming out of Egypt. God had mercy on them. Now he's saying, remember, have mercy on other people. You were slaves in Egypt. I set you free. Now that's going to affect how you treat other people. When you see other people in great need, when you see other people who are oppressed, when you see other people who have got nothing, remember, you had nothing. Look how I blessed you. Now, remember to be like that. And so in the New Testament, likewise, we're at the receiving end of great incomprehensible mercy. And therefore, it should be a characteristic when you get amongst God's people, whatever your need, whatever your status in life, you find mercy. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The kind of religion that God accepts, what is it? Showing mercy, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's, that's the real thing. Do you remember back in the Old Testament, in one of the prophets, in Micah, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, a very well-known uh, thing, statement about what, what God requires of us, Micah 6 and verse 8, says this, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There the prophet is talking about people doing all kinds of extravagant things, wonderful worship times, wonderful music. It's all very impressive because says, I'm not impressed. I'm seeing all that you're putting on. I'm seeing the show of your religion, but I'm not impressed by that. Why? Because he showed you, oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to act justly and love mercy? We can put on a show. God says, no, I want you to be like me. Because God's rich in mercy. And he wants us to show mercy to people. Never mind being impressively religious. No, he's looking for a change of heart that shows we realize what we're indebted to. We realize, to quote one of my favorite hymns, we are debtors to mercy alone. And because we've understood that, then we will show mercy. So in Luke 6.36, Jesus says, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. In other words, generally, compassion for people who are oppressed. And people can be oppressed for all sorts of reasons and in all kinds of ways. There can be sometimes state oppression. Certainly society can oppress people. And just, just as I say that, I think of their children here. In your school, if you go to school, possibly in your class, there's almost certainly going to be a, someone that no one else likes. I don't know what it is about kids. They like to pick on someone and make that the odd one out. Is there anyone in your class like that? The sort of person that no one else wants to be friends with. Then mercy is saying, I'm going to be friends with that person. 
Maybe my friends won't like me now. Maybe my friends will mock me if I go with that person. I want to be merciful to the one no one else likes. I was telling some of the kids uh, kids call last time about uh, our, our daughter when she first went to school. In her class, there was a girl just like that. Something a bit, bit odd. And all the other kids just used to mock her. No one wanted to be friends with her. And our daughter, unbeknown to us, befriended her. And then invited her along to our kids' club. And that girl came along to kids' club. I have to say, at kids' club, other kids kind of avoided her and mocked her because she was different. But she came. And she found friends amongst us. She got saved. Teenager. Went going on with God. Still a bit awkward. And then struck down with some strange affliction. I can't remember what it was. And died when in her early 20s. Tragic. You think, actually, she went to be with the Lord because someone had mercy on her when no one else wanted to know. That's the heart of God. People who are oppressed. People who are lonely. People who are just odd. (laughs) And there's mercy. Because we were very odd. God had mercy on us. We were rebels against him. We had nothing to offer him. No claim on him. We had offended him in all kinds of levels. So I'm going to have mercy. Why? Well, now we go and show mercy. Those who are just oppressed by Satan, afflicted. Just, it's, Satan loves to rob us of our dignity, to, to trap us if he possibly can. And the church is an army of people who want to show mercy on those who are oppressed, those who are captive. Jesus came to set captives free, to release people who are bound. It's a mission of mercy. People who are poor, people who are rejected. You know, within the church here, go downstairs at coffee time, look around. Are there some people just standing by themselves? I just don't know how to get in amongst other people. Mercy. He's like, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to stand and talk to them. It's much more, we feel more comfortable talking with people who are comfortable. It's easier to be with people who've got no problems. No mercy, says, I'm going to look for those who are in problems, those who are sick, those who are bereaved, whatever. People have needs. And mercy is that characteristic of saying, I'm going to those who have got a need. Because it's not about what's in it for me. It's what can I do for them. When God had mercy on us, there was nothing in it for him. It cost his son. (laughs) All the cost is his. The blessing is ours. Then when we show mercy, yeah, there may be cost, but we want to bless people because we have received mercy. Mercy will be expressed then amongst us in the church. When people come amongst us very obviously with needs and maybe very obviously a bit different, do we shy away? Reach out with mercy. God reached out to us. Then be merciful as your Father is merciful. Mercy is the opposite of self-centeredness. Mercy is seeing someone else's need and going for it. So it's a general characteristic, as are all these other things, but also it is a gift for some. This is really 
what is basic to them. This is really the focus of their heart. This is what God has put in them. We, we read about Jesus very often that when he sees need, it says he's moved with compassion. And there are people that God has given that gift to. They, they don't just show mercy among other things, but this is really the focus. They're just stirred by other people's need and they want to do something about it. And it comes from the Spirit, because these are gifts of the Spirit. And that's why it says here, if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Indeed, it could be translated, if it's showing mercy, do it with hilarity. Why does it say that? Why why is that the characteristic? Well, I mean, obviously, if you are reaching out to people who are oppressed, they are also likely to be depressed and if you reach out to them and just tell them sad stories of people you know who have recently died then it's not really going to cheer them up very much it is good to go with a cheerful heart it is good to have resources in you for them but more than that when when we're amongst people who are in great need maybe people who uh, are destitute people who are addicted whatever as we spend time with them, people who have suffered rejection and don't know how to relate with people, think of all the needs that they can be. You spend time with people like that, you can feel yourself getting kind of drained. And, and you, well, you, you, you find sometimes people just become very angry against the system that has treated people badly or just worn down with other people's needs. No, this is a spiritual gift. And so if it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. How can that be? Well, because the Holy Spirit gives resources. So that if you're just operating in the kindness of your heart, you can get worn down. But if you're moving in the Spirit, then the Spirit who gives you the gift of mercy will give you the resources to counteract the stories you're hearing, the suffering you're seeing, the things that people are, are unburdening themselves of and dumping on you. Do you go, oh, I can't cope with any more of this? No, there's resources. God's gifted me for this. And there's cheerfulness. You don't want to just be laughing when someone is depressed, but inside there's joy because Jesus gives joy that no one can take away. If it's showing mercy, it comes from the Spirit. It's not just a social conscience. It's not motivated by a political agenda. It's motivated by the Spirit to, again, within the church, to look for people, specifically look for people who are in need and say, I'm going to them. I I'm, I, I see someone who's just very lonely. I want to do something about that. I see someone who's in need. I'm going to do something about it. It's not always the church should do something about it. No, I'm going to do something about it because it's a gift. But equally outside the church, into the community. So not motivated just by a social conscience, but the mercy of God, a spiritual gift that says God has given me resources to go and reach to them. We're at the receiving end of mercy. And that's the important thing for us to get hold of. God has had mercy. We can only appreciate that if we have some appreciation of our need 
before God saved us. If we have some appreciation of what it means to sin against God and how God regards sin, may have been brought up in a Christian family, we might have had a good upbringing, and we can find it hard to think of that I, I was a sinner, yes, everyone has sinned. We may have been brought up in a, a, a totally dysfunctional family. We might not have been brought up in a family at all. We might have great needs, and maybe we're aware of those needs, but are we aware of the need of our heart that there's sin? And God is too holy to look at sin, and God punishes sin, but he had mercy. He has mercy. When, when we've seen the reality of sin, then we appreciate the wonder of mercy and it moves us. And we say, oh God, mercy. And it's always mercy. We always know we're coming to him on the basis of mercy. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter four, speaking about who Jesus is, how Jesus became a human being, a man, so he can uh, appreciate Where we are, he says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. So a man who understands, therefore, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, find grace to help in time of need. We're always indebted to the mercy of God. And as we reflect on that, As we receive mercy today, we can receive mercy. Whatever has happened this week, whatever we've got into, whether we're ashamed of ourselves, proud of ourselves or whatever, whether we're aware of need or not particularly aware of need, we need mercy from God. And we can come and receive that. Oh God, you don't turn away from me. God, you don't reject me. Don't you, you don't reject me as other people do. You don't treat me as other people do. It's mercy. You can come, we can come, we come to God's throne and receive mercy. We reflect on that, we receive it, and then we check, are we reflecting it to others? Having received mercy, do we then close off in our little world? Or are we looking, as God looked for us and found us, we're looking for others who have got needs, Maybe not very attractive people. Maybe people we'd rather not associate with, and that's how other people regard them as well. But hey, God has changed our heart. We've received mercy, so we show mercy. And maybe, maybe you've never thought of it as a spiritual gift. Maybe you've never seen it like that, but you realize you, you find yourself being moved with compassion towards other people. God's put that in you. Well then ask God, develop this. I wanna, I wanna show mercy within the church, maybe within the, the community at large. There's a gift there that wonderfully expresses what God is like. This is our God, God who is rich in mercy. The Bible speaks of the tender mercies of God. That's your heart. Hey, believe that. Receive it. And look to see God, I want to polish this gift up. I want to use it, not to draw attention to myself, but to bless people who stir your heart, and I want to reflect your heart towards them. Let's pray.